0: Tell me something, boy
1: Aren't you tired trying to fill that void? Oh. oh! 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 God! Oh! Yes! Yes!
0: Yes! Yes! I'm so afraid you're about to say something awful.
1: Don't be pessimistic, it's not your style.
0: When we first met was an evening
1: much like this, magic in the air,
0: a boy, a girl,
1: an open grave, it was my first funeral. You were so beautiful, pale and mysterious, no one even looked at the corpse.
0: Hello? Hello? I'm looking for my wife. Wait for me, wait for me. Tell you what, we could have had a good life together. Fucking real good life. Had us a place of our own. But you didn't want it, Ennis. So what we got now is broke back now
1: mock my pain
0: life is pain highness anyone who says differently is selling something you make me want to be a better man
1: you're saying this only to make me go i'm
0: saying it because it's true inside of us we both know you belong with victor you're part of his work the thing that keeps him going if that plane leaves the ground and you're not with him you'll regret it maybe not today maybe not tomorrow but soon and for the rest of your life
1: what about us?
0: We'll always have Paris. We didn't have, we we lost it until you came to Casablanca. We got it back last night. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to Characters of Culture with some up production value there in the new intro that we've got going on. I'm Rob Fishbeck over here to my left is the amazing Lego. What's going on, bud? Hey, I'm
1: just here surrounded by some sharks in the background and uh, insanity, perhaps, perhaps,
0: perhaps. And we're definitely got insanity is pretty much going to be the word of the night here. Uh, for those of you that are joining us for the first time, or it's been a little while, Me and Lego very much represent the yin-yang thing. That's why we get along so well. And we're so great friends is because I like my things and Lego likes their things. And we come together in the middle a lot of the times, but a lot of the times we just sit here and rant about our own opinions. And that's literally what's going to happen tonight because obviously next week is Valentine's day. So Lego proposed the idea that we talk about rom-coms and rom drums. I'll, uh, I won't say the rest of what the sentence was about your, your opinions on them because we're going to get to all that tonight. I, however, love them and have seen many, 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 many of them in the theater and watched them at home. And after watching that montage that I made this afternoon, I'm like, man, I really just want to go watch Casablanca now. So there is that. Lego, I'm going to turn things over to you. And Thank let's definitely- get go
1: seen more of these films than I have, and I wanna say for the record, Rob, you wholesome, wholesome, wholesome man, you. You, you're prepared, you're professional, you like these movies, I am here to tear them asunder. I I am here to rip out the ground from these monstrosities. I am prepared to rant this evening, and we don't have my rant graphic, so that was a mistake on our part.
0: it's in the other brand folder. We also, a little peek behind the scenes, learned a lot more about StreamYards that we didn't know. And we have all these brand folders now. So we need to finish organizing them. But hey, such is life. But yes, the Lego rants will be plentiful this evening. And uh, who knows? Maybe I'll say some dumb shit and Lego will drop me out. But I love her the less. Anyways, so let's get right to it. Um, What would you like to talk about first to kind of get the ball going tonight? What is yeah, your Why workspace? don't you
1: talk about... Why don't we open it with like
0: your favorite or, or second favorite? Well, it's <laughs> right out the gate. like I, really got, got, I got a, I got a t- tight top 10 and four <laughs> honorable mentions. So why don't we go through the honorable mentions first and then kind of throughout the night, we'll go through the big ones. Uh, those of you that know me can probably guess what some of my top ones are. Um, you know, to start right out of the gate, one of my favorite films when I was in fifth grade, I remember watching this. On American movie classics. I have seen the remake from the 90s with Harrison Ford, but that is the original 1954 film Sabrina, directed by Billy Wilder. Uh, you know, starring William Holden, Humphrey Bogart, and Audrey Hepburn. What a great rom-com! It's so it's such a classic film. It holds up. I haven't seen it in probably like 10 years, but the last time I watched it, I was like, what a joy! It really is. It's it's a, it's a great romantic comedy. And if you've not seen it, I don't want to give anything away. It's not like a spoilery kind of movie, but it's a great story. And that is kind of the theme with a lot of mine is whether it's a comedy or a drama or somewhere in the middle, it's a great story. And there's chemistry between the two uh, romantic leads that are in the film. And that's kind of what's important to me. So I'll rush through these other three real quick and then I'll turn things back to you. Uh, When Harry Met Sally, I mean, just what a classic film. You saw it in the montage, you know, the orgasm scene in the restaurant. It's a beautiful movie. I love the way it opens with all of the older couples talking about how they met and all that sort of stuff. It's, It's a classic 80s movie by Rob Reiner. And, you know, again, it's another standard staple that really holds up throughout the years and all those sorts of things. You've got 1934's It Happened One Night with Claudette Colbert and Clark Gable. I love this movie. Um, Again, it's almost 100 years old at this point. So if you're not interested in the black and white ones, it's understandable. But I'm very surprised they've never remade this film because it is so unique. As far as I know, they've never remade it. It's a very unique storyline and one that I find to be really interesting. Another one that just popped into my head that I love is His Girl Friday. If you've ever gotten a chance to see that. That's from the 1940s. Hell yeah. So I'll round it out with this. And that is cue the music Titanic. The only reason it's not in my top 10 is because I don't fucking care what science says or whatever. He could have fucking fit on that door.
1: I'm so glad you said that because it gives me a reason to use this already.
0: <laughs> yes. I told you guys, we up the production value on the show, so. No,
1: buoyancy, it's not about uh, whether he could fit. It's about the weight.
0: Oh, right. No, I understand. I understand. Anyways, what's going on, Lloyd Nance? Shout out to you. Shout out to John Bainbridge, John Get Bent, Matt, French Tauner, everybody that's here. What's going on, everyone? Titanic All right. So, is a weird,
1: Titanic is a weird romance movie. Okay. So, like, let's like let's actually break down the romance in Titanic because how romantic is it? Is it actually romantic in terms of the story, or is it in romantic in terms of the music? Like, so- strip the music. Is it still romantic?
0: And you're completely correct. So again, I, I use the film clips that I used in that montage for various reasons. And everybody saw that quick little clip from ghost during the um, pottery scene when they're playing unchained melody by the righteous brothers. It is like, the definition of sex appeal to me more and Patrick Swayze in 1991, you could do no wrong. This was 50 shades for you. Gen Zers. This was 50 shades of gray long before that existed. No, I have no, idea. I have no okay. idea. But anyways, so all that being said, the reason that that scene works is the music, you know? So to your point with Titanic, the love story is fine, but It's the location they're on the boat. Everybody knows what's going to happen with the boat. Celine Dion's music and the score by James Horner. That's what's fucking making. And the, that scene, right. I went on a cruise ship in 2005, by the way, me and my family. And I was so excited because I wanted to recreate that scene from Titanic and go to the front of the boat and go like this. And I was talking to one of the workers because I, you literally couldn't get within 200 feet of the front front of the boat. And I was talking to one of the workers about it and they said, seriously, after Titanic came out, it became like an insurance thing and all that <laughs> sort of stuff. So they had to start blocking off the fronts of those boats because everybody wanted to, you know, do the same thing. So there is that. But yeah, go ahead.
1: I actually don't think think Titanic is that bad, but only because Billy Zane character is abusive, and there seems to be kind of an arrangement between them, so I don't think it's that bad that, uh, whatever, uh, Rose, I don't think it's that bad that Rose was more interested in Jack. But there is this thing in in rom-coms especially, but also just romances in general, where you have people who are already in relationships and then they start to be in a relationship while simultaneously in a relationship with someone else in a relationship to, with each other. And it like promotes cheating, which is right. not great. Right. I think the, the one I bring up the most for me, Sweet Home Alabama.
0: <sighs> okay, like I, I this do is all like- I'm gonna say. If my mom doesn't watch any of my shows, but if she's watching right now, she will turn it off. That is her favorite movie of all time. No bullshit. But go ahead.
1: AJ, I'll bring that up later. Oh,
0: I love Remember Me. I saw that in the theater. <laughs> is that? Maybe that's not the movie I'm thinking of. Robert, pa- Robert Pattinson. Yeah, okay, that is the movie I'm, I'm
1: thinking of. Yeah. I cited that as having one of the worst endings of a movie ever.
0: Oh, the worst. The worst.
1: <laughs> so bad.
0: Yes. I don't no, even no, remember no, the romance
1: part. Um, oh, but yeah, that yeah. ending is terrible. But uh, with Sweet Home Alabama... It's that weird thing of, I get her getting back with someone she loved, but leaving the dude she's been with for years at the altar, and he's such a nice guy, and he just is like, oh, so that's what this feels like, and then turns around and leaves? That's horrible. She's horrible.
0: But they do it under the guise of, well, she found her true love.
1: But that's so and bullshit. That mixes. What kind that, of I know, but that, that
0: right. That mixes in the fantasy element that makes a lot of these films very unrealistic. That's why I chose to incorporate, like, as good as it gets. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. To me, that's a lot more grounded in reality than, let's say, some of these other ones are. Uh, you know, because here's life. It's not always a happy ending. It's just not. You know. Uh, uh relationships are tough marriages are even tougher and all that sort of stuff you know so but yeah
1: that is that is true and i'm gonna make a point later on but i will say that in terms of romance films when you have conflict outside of the romance i do think those tend to be better films sure for instance, I'm gonna use a rom-com for example, just cause I think I've seen more of those than drama ones, but The Money Pit uh, with Tom Hanks and the chick- Shelly Long. Shelly Long, Tom Shelley Hanks Long. and Shelly Long. And I love that movie, it's so funny. I'm, a, I'm a really big fan of Tom Hanks, but that I think it works better because the issues aren't coming from the relationship. While it might be a little, you know, there it's not the best relationship depicted in a movie, but the issues are coming from financial stressors, which is very realistic. Like there are a lot of people who, you know, because of money end up having to stay together when maybe they don't want to, or end up splitting apart because it's just too much going on.
0: Right. Uh, Did you ever get to, did you ever see the 2004 film Duplex with Ben Stiller and Drew Barrymore?
1: I feel like, yeah, but I don't remember it.
0: Okay. It came out around the same time as another Ben Stiller rom com called Along Came Polly with Jennifer Aniston and One Ferret i've Marvel definitely seen it one.
1: but i don't remember a single scene of uh, it
0: duplex it's similar it's somewhat similar to that money pit in terms of like they get this duplex and there's you know all those crazy shenanigans and tail and it's those outside factors that affect them whereas it's it's not so much an internal conflict between the two uh that are in the relationship hmm.
1: all right interesting yeah i i just i just tend to like those films a little better I'll get on into more of that. What your you just pick, Rob?
0: Right. To well, I mean, right out of the gate, 10. this movie, this movie, I will never, like, I'll never forget the first time I watched this. We, I would, I would go to my grandparents' house when I was younger and they had their VHS tape collection and there was this movie called Ghost. And, you know, I would look at it and I assumed it was like a horror movie or some sort of a thriller, right? From that title. You know, we're talking kindergarten, Rob, you know, right. Uh, Not to say there's much of a difference between kindergarten, Rob and Rob now, but uh, kindergarten Rob was like, I, you know, this must be whatever. So a few years later, I was in like, I don't know, fifth or sixth grade or something like that. And I was at that time, uh, went out of my way to really uh, deep dive into romance movies, because there are a lot of them. And that's kind of how I've always studied film throughout my life. Is and again it it's it's secular, it comes back and blah 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 blah. But I would like get fixated on a genre and go watch like the biggest movies from that genre or most of them, and then some other ones and some recent ones and some obscure ones, etc. etc. And then feel okay, cool, I've learned about that. And then, you know, a year later, like I dive into another genre. So I watched Ghost and Whoopi Goldberg was. I know she's been in the news recently, whatever. I don't don't give a shit. Um, She was fucking phenomenal in that movie. Won an Oscar for it. And, um, you know, Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore, again, at that time, they were wildly popular. And, you know, The Righteous Brothers Unchained Melody, if that, God, you know, the royalty money from Ghost, crazy. Absolutely crazy. Crazy. Uh, so that, yeah, that that's in my top 10 uh, romance movies in general, like of all time. So there's that. Have you ever seen Ghost?
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, Ghost is a weird movie. I totally agree with John Bainbridge. It's, it's weird. I, ha- I don't think I've seen it since the 90s. Okay. Uh, I, I definitely love the Righteous Brothers. Like the, those those guys' vocals are great. Um, yeah, it's a weird movie, though. It's a weird, it's a weird i'm gonna get into body swapping movies if you don't mind let's talk go go let's look another tom hanks movie big big is fucking weird
0: (laughs) big's a weird movie
1: big is weird it's also kind of in the similar vein i didn't like this movie very much but 13 going on 30 where she like wakes up older as well
0: i I thought that movie. movie was a snooze fest
1: yeah but it's kind of the same thing where you have like Younger person waking up older and getting into a relationship with someone, and it's ah, why did they do that? Although, I mean, come on, that piano scene. The piano scene in Big, it's one of the most memorable moments in cinema. It's stupid, but I love it. And who didn't want to go to Zoltar and make a wish? We all wanted to go to Zoltar and make a wish, truthfully. But the, the romance in that was strange. This is not an issue in terms of film, but in, in television series, I'm just gonna need this this, this to put a stop to all of the these writers who are like putting teenagers in relationships with adults, especially teachers and making it normalized and not bad. It's weird, please, please stop. It's not no bueno, no, it's bad, it's weird.
0: What other body swapping movies uh, come to mind for you other than like Freaky Friday?
1: well okay so i do have a couple there are a couple romance films i do like and this is obviously one of the greatest swapping movies ever made um i don't know how many people in here watch anime but your name is one of those beautiful fucking movies in ever it's one of those beautiful movies ever it's it's just gorgeous to look at and this story is really interesting and it's one of those like i was talking about earlier that the the conflict doesn't come from the relationship As I said, there is body swapping in this movie. So obviously there's some mischief going on, uh, but there's a lot going on in this movie and it it unravels itself very slowly. It allows itself time to get to know the characters and for the story to build. And the romance, by the time you get to the point where they they actually really meet, it's so sincere and beautiful. I'll give it to that one. This is an actual legit good romance movie. Your name. If you haven't seen it, watch it. If you Uh, find it, I don't
0: think it's streaming. It's an animated film?
1: anime yeah
0: anime okay yeah and i'll throw this out there if lego's digging it and it's a romance movie it's probably pretty good because you know i go for the you know hollywood blockbuster big leading leading stars so i mean there
1: are a few i'm gonna like uh there's just not a lot i so when i was looking at romance movies to like jog my memory i went to my letterbox to like see what came up as romance there were some movies where i was just like staring at it like why is that how is that?
0: For example? Know.
1: So for me, my biggest, have you seen Kill Your Darlings with uh, Daniel Radcliffe, Dane DeHaan, Michael C. Hall? No? All right. Um, I do like that movie. I promise, I made a promise to myself, I was not going to make this gay. I really promise. I'm breaking my promise. This movie is interesting. So it's based on a true story. Uh, do you know who the beat poets are? So Jack Kerouac.
0: Oh, yeah, well, of course, okay. yeah.
1: So it's I Jack Kerouac. William Burroughs, yeah. um, Allen Ginsberg, all those guys, they all went to college together. Well, they all lived in New York at the same time when Allen Ginsberg was going to college, and they had an, two other mutual friends in that group. Um, I also—I forgot to mention Neil Cassidy, so two other guys were in the group. Um, one of the guys killed the other guy, and it's like a very famous case right? in right. the news, all of this stuff. Um, it was a very sad case, and it's something that's Technically still sometimes an issue today. Um, but a lot of these guys, all these dudes were like queer in, in some degree, whether they were gay or bi, whatever. And they all kind of had it out for the guy who ended up murdering the other guy. So the murderer. Um, I use I'm gonna use murderer in air quotes. Um they all ha- they all had a hard on for the murderer. And it's it's labeled not as it I mean, it is a true crime story, um, but it's labeled as like a romance. And I kind of sit there and like, yeah. Dane DeHaan's character and Daniel Radcliffe's character kind of have a romance, but I feel like romance? Eh, Sure. Okay. okay. Is, okay. It, I, I mean, obviously, it's Daniel Radcliffe, Dane DeHaan, Michael Scalping. These like such good actors, great performances. It's a right. sad ending. I don't – the director is one of those instances where they – he wanted to talk about something that is important, but I think he used the absolute wrong real life story to make his point um, because he, he was talking, do you know what an honor slaying is? Yes. Okay, so uh, the murderer um, uses that defense and oh, okay. um, this is kind of one of the early cases of it. It was labeled as an honor slang all over newspapers and stuff. But the dude that he killed was quite a bit older than him, and he'd known him since he was 12. Since the kid was 12, the guy who got murdered was in his 20s. He moved across the country seven times. Every time he moved, the dude followed him. Like, in modern day times, this is clearly a stalker. This is clearly a predator. Like, this this would not be labeled as anything other than that. This kid, like, literally tried to kill himself to get away from a stalker. And ended up killing a stalker. Like that's not the right case for this this story to like make your point that like honor slangs are bad and like the gay panic defense is bullshit. That's just not the right it's not the right case. It's like not because and it's also doing the whole thing that like gay people are predators. Nah, no, bro. You just there are other real life cases. So right. many of them, modern day ones too. But that one involved the beat poets, so they're like really famous which is weird because like technically all those guys or like some of those guys got famous from that case and then went on to be more famous for their writing,
0: which is weird. I need, I I'll watch it. I wouldn't be down to watch that movie.
1: I mean, it's a good movie. Like it's a well-made movie. I just, it's kind of iffy in terms of like context.
0: Right. Love it. All right. So for me next on my long lengthy list here. uh, And again, I said this to Lego backstage would love to watch this movie with you at some point. Uh, the one James Bond movie that you may actually enjoy uh, is a big romance movie for me. And that is 1969's on her majesty's secret service with George Lazenby and Diana Rigg. Uh, many of you know her from game of Thrones, but um, for the first time, and again, they, they do it in casino Royale, but I think this did it far superior than they did in casino Royale. And that was James Bond fell in love. And, you know, you got, you had all of these Sean Connery films leading up to this one. And then we've gotten all of these movies afterwards. And James Bond was, you know, this rough and tumble, you know, sexist, misogynist, racist. He is, he is, he is the whole shebang. Go read the Ian Fleming novels. I've read them all. And he is all of those things. You know, that's why it just doesn't kind of work in today's context. Um, come up with a different character because it's hard to rewrite that one. Uh, but I, I love James Bond for what it is. And, you know, in this movie, he falls in love and becomes happy. And it's like you see a different side to James Bond that you hadn't seen before because he was just he didn't give a fuck. He literally didn't care about anything. You know, that's why he was kind of a drunkard and, you know, would shoot first and ask questions later and all that sort of stuff. And then this happens and you know, spoiler alert, they get married in Louis Armstrong's we've got all the time in the world is playing and it's absolutely beautiful. And his arch nemesis Blofeld, who most people know from the James Bond films, uh, murders her at the end of the movie. And he's never the same afterwards. And I, again, you know, it's a little bit different in the books than it is with the films because they just keep making the movies. But Character-wise, he never really recovered from that or came back from that. So later on in the series, you know, I I know they have different actors that played him, but that's part of why he is. He really just doesn't give a fuck about anything or anyone. And again, I know in the new Daniel Craig movies, they kind of set that up in Casino Royale and then made up all these other stories that would go back to that. But this did it first, and this did it best for me. Hmm. And concluded.
1: Interesting. So, like I was saying, a lot of times, like, the best romances aren't actually in romance movies uh, in the opening. we talked about, and I think John, Bainbridge or John Get Bent was talking about it. But Gomez and Morticia, Morticia Adams are always going to be, I think, top tier, best romance in any movie. But, um, so I was watching, oh, God forgive me. So I watched Highlander two, the Renegade cut. I've never seen the Renegade cut before. I've only seen just the theatrical cut. The theatrical cut is one. I'm. This is me saying this. And you know what kind of movies I watch. It's one I of know. the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. It is incomprehensible. It's incomprehensible. It doesn't wait, make wait, it wait.
0: So this, so the <laughs> Renegade cut versus the theatrical cut. The theatrical cut's cohesive. No, no, it, it,
1: it's, it's incomprehensible. It does
0: the theatrical cut
1: cut um is tried to fix a lot of the the issues that the theatrical cut had because i think the studio took over the theatrical cut um so the renegade cut i don't know who did that who did the cut but um that exists and that's like the only one you can find online now which is kind of funny but it's still even the renegade cut like is like you you tried so that's but it's still the
0: first Highlander is worth watching
1: it depends if you watch the TV show.
0: Oh, that's right. But the TV show came out after the movies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool.
1: So I, I really love the TV show, but that's not the nor there. But the romance in the first Highlander movie between Connor and Heather, not the second chick. We don't We don't stand the second chick. I won't even say her name. I don't remember her name, but I'm not even going to say it. So Connor and Heather. Oh, my God. To the every time I hear Queen I just think who wants to live forever and that song plays in my mind and I just picture Connor and Heather and I applaud it's so beautiful even in Highlander 2 which sucks but when Connor talks about Heather his first wife his first real and only love it still fucking hits and maybe it is the Queen song it's probably the Queen song but man, I actually really do like that one. It's very, it's very sweet. I love that one.
0: Okay. Uh, Wait,
1: Jimmy, I'm sorry. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. We have to stop everything. Jimmy, oh God, I agree with Rob about something. What do you agree with him about? Specify, I'm horrified.
0: Yeah, um no AJ, uh I had to go check the YouTube feed to make sure it was Lego and it wasn't me because sometimes I freeze and then but Lego freezes on my end. Uh you're back now. You were cut you were freezing up there for a minute, but you're good. Yeah, AJ, you're right. Never mind. We're back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you with us, Lego? I think I am. Okay, I can hear you. Your your videos uh keep it keeps freezing. But oh, oh there you are. You're good. You're good. Better. Yep. We're cool. back in action. Uh, back to the regularly scheduled programming. You were saying. Uh, me and Jimmy Nails agree on something? What is that? What do we agree on?
1: I don't know. That's what I'm trying to find out. But anyway, go, what's your next movie? The
0: Waiting is the Hardest. That The Only Good Highlander is the first one. Jimmy. Wait, so, Jimmy, did you
1: watch the show? I need to know. If you don't like the show, we're going to have to talk.
0: Yeah, but also, Jimmy, Rob's never seen Highlander. I only know, like Lego has, okay, I've known Lego long enough. And we hang out all the time. I have heard all about the Highlander, like the whole story. And I and, a poster. and, I I, and have- again, from what I was told, the first one, was, first one is the good one. So there's that. Okay, next film on my list, coming in at number eight. Oh, I cannot wait to hear what you got to say about this one, and I truly mean that. So in 2005, this movie came out, and I figured it was going to win Best Picture. It did not win Best Picture. A movie called Crash won Best Picture. This is what should have won Best Picture, though. And that is Brokeback Mountain, starring the late, great Keith Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal, with phenomenal supporting performances from Michelle Williams, and Hathaway, and Randy Quaid. Uh, So there is that. I love this movie. Full disclosure, it was the first gay film that I consciously knew was a gay film that I watched, uh, you know, growing up. Uh, Lego laughs because the rope joke. But um, and I'm not going to lie. When I was, you know, I was 14 years old when the movie came out and I watched it. And the first time I watched it, it was a little weird for me because i'm you know was not used to that and being a straight guy and it was the year 2005 so you can put in all the context that you will um but i do remember going wow what a beautiful film and about two or three years later i watched it again and was like man this is you know this is just a great fucking movie and again you know it was my first foray however word you want to use first uh you know, gay movie I remember watching. So go ahead and take, I know you got some thoughts.
1: I really didn't want to, I was going to avoid all the gay stuff. I really tried. I just want to make that a point. Hold on, wait, I wait, wait, I'm
0: going to take you out and bring you back in. Cause your camera froze. Hold on. All right, go ahead. All right. I want, Can I want them me? to be able to see your, see your rain.
1: Okay. So I really tried not to, not to bring the gay agenda into this. Rob did it. Okay. So, with that having been said, I do think it's, it's, uh, typically when you have a uh, a movie with queer characters, they do just make them romances, which I don't necessarily think is necessary per se. There are not a lot of queer rom-coms. I only know of four, and they all came out within, like, the past couple years. Love, Simon, Alex Love, Strange. Half of it and happiest season. And a lot of them have specific tropes that they have evolved over time, but like there's, I don't really like those tropes. And sometimes those movies can end up being unintentionally offensive, especially like with Brokeback Mountain. I think that's a book written by a woman. And then it was directed by Ang Lee, who's a straight man. And it's played by straight guys. So you're just
0: trying to... But does, it, but does that matter, though, if they're acting? Isn't the whole point of acting is to be somebody that you're not? Because so- I know you have a problem with that in general, straight people playing gay people.
1: No, well, hang, like, hang on. So okay. in general, I don't mind it that much. If you're making a career on it like fucking Cumberbatch, that's when I have a problem. <laughs> He needs to be stopped. Like, third, third time? Third time, my guy. Three. Like, come on. Just stop. Just stop. Just stop. But for me, in terms of, of gay, pe- like, people playing queer characters who are, like, gay or lesbian or what have you, I don't necessarily think it has to be in terms of acting. For me, what's more important is directing and writing, that we have queer representation behind the screens, creating – something that is more authentic to be presented on screen by the actor now in terms of like trans representation i do think that should be played by a trans person that i agree with Um, in terms of ethnicity i think it should be by whatever ethnicity the person is and so on and so forth unless you're doing something like hamilton um but then that might it might be able to get to a point where um particularly in people behind the screen will realize that they're doing things that are unintentionally kind of iffy so with Brokeback that was I mean that was 2005 so by the time you get to something like The Power of the Dog it's like okay you need to stop doing the barrier gay just stop you don't need to end the movie with one of the dudes dying particularly especially if like for Power of the Dog that's not a romance story that's the one queer character dies at the end that's not helpful that's actually in real life harmful that's harmful to real living people stop doing it just stop doing it just it's done it's over
0: i'm um, glad not frozen anymore because I, I i just have been listening to you like this for the last two minutes and i'm like okay well
1: stay. i'm okay right. with being frozen i make a lot of animated things so i guess it's just more obvious to tell when i freeze i'll sit here very still and mumble
0: next yeah next time i go on a rant maybe i'll throw you out and bring you back in but um So, okay. So again, like, and again, I want to have this conversation because I've always been upfront and honest with people. And I think that that, you know, bodes well for me because I'm not going to try and hide behind something and, and, and try to misrepresent myself. You know, when Brokeback Mountain came out, literally everybody at my high school was like, that's the movie about the gay cowboys. Like that's, that's what it was known for, you know,
1: know
0: (laughs) right? No, I understand. But the stigma with the gay community in 2005, in my opinion, was very, very, very different than it was in 2010 or 2015, let alone now. You know, it was just a, still a very different time period. So again, Jake Hall and Heath Ledger, both straight men playing gay. I get your point with Power of the Dog, 100%. I get your point with, you know, and I agree with you on the trans thing. Um, For me, at the end of the day, it's just, I'm still learning about it. So I just, you know, anything, you know, that works and is done well, I appreciate it because it's like, hey, you know, this is something a little bit different than watching a guy and a girl, you know, whatever. So...
1: Yeah, well, I will say with with that movie, I do think it was... I like the intentionality of taking a Western and kind of deconstructing it, although still having those gendered roles where you have the one person going out and doing the herding of the sheep. I don't remember which character is which, and the other person staying behind and like cooking. So you've like kind of feminized one character and left one to remain to be masculinized. But we have these roles of cowboys. um, and, And you're, but they, I understand like the real world, more like ramifications in terms of the time they were living in, of having them be in- 1962,
0: um, the movie takes place in 1962,
1: yeah. Of having them be in, um, I'm blanking on the term, Um, heteronormative relationships, like they both got married and that's, there's, I can't remember who said it, but there was a famous actor who was queer and he said, in in my day, gay men were expected to marry women. (laughs) Um, That was just something that happened unfortunately, um, particularly like in Hollywood, for instance, you have like lavender marriages and stuff like that. Um, but again, I think the film ultimately really would have just been marginally improved. had they, the both dudes just lived.
0: I agree. Um, I will say this too, about in, in defense of Brokeback mountain. Uh, I love what Ang Lee did with the movie to your point. He deconstructed the, the classic Western, you know, and the way it looks. And again, That guy is very capable of directing. Uh, It just looks, looks phenomenal. You know, all of the shots and everything. And I, I I think that can draw that probably is what partially drew me to the movie was I was like, man, this looks good. You know, so I'm now I'm invested. So there is that. All right. I will let you, I will relinquish you of your having to talk, you know, and be the, be the uh, spokesperson for, for queer cinema. For the rest of the evening because I'm pretty sure the rest of my list is all guys and girls. Yep, it is. <laughs> all right. What do you want to talk about next?
1: Well, uh, what um uh, well, going to your next movie because I just went on a long tangent.
0: I love it. I've seen this movie no bullshit five times, and the movie's barely, it's not even four years old yet, it's only been out for like a little over three years. That is the 2018 version. The most recent adaptation of a star is born. Something inside me kind of just wants to live out that life that Bradley Cooper lived in the movie. Uh, I would be fine with that. You know, uh, the ending was obviously really sad, but the rest of the movie was fucking awesome. Uh, I definitely relate to his character in certain ways. So there's that. And then here comes lady Gaga and kind of, you know, you know, re jumps. He was, you know, kind of going this way and she brought him back for a little bit. It's a great movie, great soundtrack. Um, again, uh, we were talking about Titanic and how big the music played a part or in ghost, how big a music, the music played a part in the film for me, it does the same in this, but I still think the love story is there and it's grounded in realism. If you've seen the movie, it's not some fairy tale love story that i think the re- you know rom-coms were popular for a very 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 long time and they would be sporadic and then we got into the 2000s and it was like every other fucking week there was a new rom-com coming out you name it they did it um when by the time must love dogs came out with with uh john cusack and i like
1: um, must love dogs
0: it's fine it's fine but like by the time that came out i was like man they're starting to grasp the straws here for ideas you know and then it kind of like imploded on itself and it's like you know it's the same fucking plot you know i was making dinner earlier and my grandma had the tv on and and the wedding planner was playing on like e entertainment in the background and i'm just like oh this is so cliche oh i got that
1: confused I confused that with The Wedding Singer. I'm like, I thought The Wedding Singer wasn't bad. I that's a good movie.
0: Yeah. But, for The Wedding
1: Planner, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But I said, you know, so for me, it's like, if the movie's grounded in, in reality and it's not as as much of a fantasy, like this, there's no way this would ever happen, you know, it's probably something that's made my list and something that I want to appreciate more because there's an added sense of believability. It's not as much fantasy. So there is that all right what do you got next
1: okay so with with what you were saying i actually uh, okay so i think hold
0: on hold on hold on oh god i think generally speaking
1: uh
0: you're back you froze again you keep freezing you're good
1: okay so generally speaking i think rom-com show a very unrealistic world view And it's very skewed view because most of these movies are generally, uh, I mean, most of these movies still have like the male gaze, not to sound like Laura Mulvey, but it's true. Um, And they also depict a world where, and this is a study, it says, um, I just took the headline, are rom-coms making us think creepy male behavior is okay? And I would say... That rom coms and just romance movies in general do depict a world where women don't need to fear a man who doesn't accept the word no, uh, and that's very not good. So, this isn't necessarily a romance movie, but I think we can all agree it definitely has a romance in it. Top Gun,
0: yes, yes,
1: okay. So, I think I I watched Top Gun, I 100% watched this movie. I want to be clear with that 100% watched this movie. I got to the part where the dude followed the chick into the bathroom and I think I blacked out. <laughs> and cuz she was like she went with it. I'm like absolutely not. <laughs> That's a hard no, my guy. Definitely not okay. There's a whole category of films that are just unintentionally creepy rom-coms. And there's there's just so so many of them never been kissed overboard clueless sleepless in seattle we mentioned big um i want to talk about sarah burgess but i'll wait on that um 16 candles oh my god while you were sleeping 54 states there's i can go on most of them um but it's just no no there's just so many creepy ones and so what i think is probably the most realistic because um, you keep using that word, uh, uh, romance is actually a TV show by the name of You. Yes, that's right. I'm bringing uh. up good old Joe Goldberg. <laughs> and he perp- they purposefully use, like, rom-com tropes. Like, he he breaks into the house. He's a stalker. He does things that happen in romance movies so, so often. But here, they're actually played realistically, they're played as creepy as it would be. Like if if you came home, if you found out your your significant other broke into your house while you were gone, that wouldn't be cute. That'd be real weird. Like you that's like, that's like, let's sit down and have a conversation about boundaries and fucking red flags, because that's a huge one. Also, not, still played funny, but still also realistic. Just like everything dennis does and it's always sunny in philadelphia
0: yes
1: like like he does rom-com stuff but it's played like it would like realistically which i appreciate go sunny i
0: agree i couldn't agree more uh okay All all right so i'm gonna bring this up real quick i this is just one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, Jerry Maguire, nineteen ninety six. Is Jerry Maguire directed by, written and directed by Cameron Crowe. Uh, music. You know, Bruce Springsteen did a great song for Secret Garden. Cuba Gooding Jr. won Best Supporting Actor. Again, I have seen Jerry Maguire dozens of times. I just rewatched it like two years ago. It's a perfect film. Um, again, you know, to go back to I'll beat the dead horse. The realism aspect, you know, it's yeah, it's still a happy ending, but at the same time, it's not uh blindingly fantastical. Which we talked about Sweet Home Alabama, um, another movie that is on my list, kind of dabbles in that a little bit, as most uh romantic comedies from the 90s and 2000s did. So that's what I've got to say on Jerry Maguire. If you've never seen Jerry Maguire, go watch Jerry Maguire because it is fucking great.
1: never seen it. Yeah. Okay. I want to talk about Sarah Burgess. Has anyone seen Sarah Burgess as a loser with uh, Barb from Stranger Things? I don't recommend it. Oh. It's terrible. So this girl likes this boy. He's very popular. Um, he's Nick whatever, the Netflix boy who's in all those bad rom-com Netflix movies. He looks like Mark Ruffalo. I don't know his name.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. So uh, she really likes him and she's uh, afraid to like talk to him. So she pretends to be this other girl and basically catfishes him. And the other girl starts to get in on it because she needs a tutor for school. So she's kind of getting blackmail to helping her. But to be clear, Sarah Burgess is like the hero of the story. <laughs> like this is all played out to be like just rom-com shenanigans. She even like uh, tricks him into kissing her, but she, he thinks he's like making out with this other chicks. It's, it's very Revenge of the Nerds. Um, and it's also, I don't know, the whole movie is just cringy, so uncomfortable, so inappropriate, but at the worst part, uh it, it basically says it's all okay for that she's did, done this because he ends up getting with her which is no it's it's an indictment of our creepy ass culture sadness utter sadness
0: you talking about nick kroll
1: no uh, no sure. oh hang on i don't know his name who knows names it's the netflix boy he's in uh to all the boys i love before
0: I'm not. Here's the other thing. I kind of fell off with rom-coms after they imploded on each other. There's a movie called We Came Together with Amy Poehler and Paul Rudd. came out in like 2013, 2014. That's the death of the rom-com for me. Yes. What is It's called We Came Together or They Came Together with Amy Poehler and Paul Rudd. And it's literally a satire on all of the cliches in romantic comedies. And I was like, I never need to watch another one after this. I love it. Noah (laughs) sent sentinel sentin sentio. Yes. Okay. Noah sentio. Do you have anything else to say?
1: (laughs) Not on that one. Although, to all the boys I loved before, did the biggest mistake a rom com or any romance movie can do. Happiest seasons did the same thing. They showed you a better option. They keep the character in a bad relationship while showing you a better person for them. Don't do that. Don't give them a better option. Because then we're just going to like the better option more. How are you going to say Mackenzie Davis or whatever the fuck her name is, is better than Audrey Plaza? I am personally attacked and offended.
0: I like Audrey Plaza.
1: Everyone likes Audrey Plaza. Because she's Audrey Plaza.
0: Just facts. Talented and attractive. So there's that. All right. I'm going to briefly mention the next two. I'm going to go bang, bang here till I get to my top three. Uh, this movie just is near and dear to my heart. It holds a very sentimental place for me. 2002's Two Weeks Notice. Um, after watching this movie, uh, along with I believe About a Boy came out the same year with Hugh Grant, I discovered Hugh Grant and was like, this dude is awesome. And went to the video store. And got Notting Hill and Four Weddings and a Funeral and Mickey Blue Eyes.
1: Is he in Bridget Jones' Diary? What's that? Was he in Bridget Jones' Diary?
0: He was. He was. He was. Um, I love Hugh Grant. Uh, You know, sue me for it. He's fucking awesome and very charming. And Sandra Bullock is, again, I knew Sandy B going into this movie. But I left this movie and was like, man, I want to go watch more movies with Sandy B. And I did a whole Sandra Bullock binge. I remember that summer. Um, also, it helps out. Nora Jones is at the end of this movie, and that's when her first album came out, which won a whole bunch of Grammys. Um, and she plays piano in one of the one of the sequences in the film. And I was like, "That's freaking That's freaking dope." Also, so two weeks' notice, and then another movie that I wanted to briefly bring up was. Ooh, okay, so the mo- my hometown got a movie theater, we call them theaters, got a movie theater in 2004, and it opened, okay, and opening weekend, I saw three movies, Shrek 2, Mean Girls, and The Notebook. I have seen this movie no more than probably 10 times, but no less than probably 10 times and it holds up and yes its level of believability isn't always there but it's beautiful and she has alzheimer's and he reads to her every day and then they die in bed together at the end of the film you know what a better
1: version of that is what the first 15 minutes of up Ah!
0: (laughs) and they play uh jimmy durani's version of i'll be seeing you at the end of the movie another great example of how the music can just Oh, sell that fucking scene. But yeah, up was good. Yeah, the first 15 minutes up. And then that kind of pittered out from there. All right, what do you got next?
1: Okay, let's. So I was saying earlier that some rom coms really depict unrealistic worlds. And oftentimes, if you want a good romance, you have to look outside of romance movies. So let's talk about a rom com relationship in a horror movie. And it just occurred to me. I've been watching these movies all wrong. Gale and Dewey from Scream franchise are absolutely a rom-com that exists within a horror movie franchise. That's why they keep breaking up and getting back together. We'll not look at any outside reasons for that whatsoever. It totally makes sense. They're, They're totally, they hit all the things. They break up, they get back together. They're, 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 they're friends. Will, they won't, they with the screen franchise. It's almost meta. It works. I love it. I will, I will, I will go down this road. It's absolutely what it is. <laughs>
0: Wrong. All right. Real uh, quick. I want to see, I want to see if this works before we continue. Uh, you want to leave the studio and come back? See if it, see if your video connection gets better. Cause you keep freezing on like weird things and yeah, there is that. Okay. Lego will be back momentarily. So you guys are stuck with Rob, your substitute teacher. How's it going? Everybody going to try and fill in the gap. But yeah, so we're talking romance films. There's so many good ones. Like for example, one that didn't make my list that almost did. You guys ever seen 2010's blue Valentine with Michelle Williams and Ryan Gosling, very realistic film. It's not a happy movie. It's definitely a drama. It's not a comedy, and it's not optimistic whatsoever. Um, I was talking about Blue Valentine. You ever seen Blue Valentine? Michelle the... Williams and Ryan Gosling?
1: Oh, no, definitely not. Very <laughs> depressing
0: movie, but a very uh, bleak look at what romance is like in the world. So there's that. Okay, you're, you're moving around. This is great. Okay, cool. All right, so you were talking, you were talking about Huey, Dewey, and Louie from scream no dewey dewey and somebody else from scream listen i saw those movies once i saw those movies one time what 15.
1: i'm per, i'm per, i'm for, I, no okay you know what fine Fuck it. i can oh god i love the Scream movies so much how can you I don't get it. Okay. Moving on. I don't know what I was talking about anymore. Nothing even matters anymore. Midsummer. It's a, it's a rom-com horror. I love it. I, I I love Midsummer, and it is absolutely a rom com horror. And it works very, very much if you watch it through that lens. And I love the catharsis at the end. It's one of the rare times where the chick chooses herself over the terrible boyfriends, and i like that the only other time i think that i've really seen that was actually a <laughs> i'm not proud of this it's a harem anime called kiss him not me where all these boys like this girl and she says no fuck it i like me better bye which is great
0: you have to put value on yourself and that's a very important thing that that would be my advice for the day put value on yourself because if you can't love yourself, you can't love anybody else.
1: I don't agree with the last part, but you know, know your worth. No your worth. You're not. You're not ten dollars. You're fifty. You're Goddamn. all breathtaking.
0: Goddamn right. That's a C note, right? That's a C note right there. I'm a fifty on a good day. So C notes a hundred, right? Yeah. I don't Whatever. know. Legos a C note. I'm a fifty on a good day. All right. I lied. We're going back to the queer. Oh. 1997's As Good As It Gets, one of my top 20 favorite films of all time, written, directed by James L. Brooks, starring Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt, who both won Oscars, Best Actor and Best Actress, same year Titanic, you know, swept everything else. And Greg Kinnear, who have you ever seen As Good As It Gets? No. Okay, so Greg Kinnear plays a character named Simon who is gay. Um he's an artist and Cuba Gooding Jr. we don't know if it's his boyfriend or his partner or just his manager because they don't show anything. It is a PG-13 movie. Um legitimately one of just it's in my top 3. Like and it's there for a reason. It is a very unconventional romantic comedy. It is literally about um, Helen Hunt plays a waitress, uh Carol, who has a son that has asthma issues, and she is a wa- she is a waitress at a place that Jack Nicholson's character, who is a, a writer who has hardcore OCD, goes to every single day at the same time and orders the same food. And if somebody's in his booth, he will insult them until they leave. And just watch the movie, you'll figure it out for yourself. And uh one day she's not there and he goes where's Carol and you know, they're like, well, she's at home taking care of her son. You know, he's sick, blah, 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 blah. blah. So he gets involved and starts paying for their medical bills just to make sure she's at work every day to take care of him. Cause he's got hardcore OCD. Simon lives across the street, Greg Kinnear. I know I'm just explaining the whole plot of the movie, but I'm going somewhere with this. Simon lives across the, the hallway in the apartment complex. He gets beaten within an inch of his life from people that try to rob him. Okay, I know. I, I'm telling you this for real. And they go on a road trip. They end up in suing on a road trip. The three of them. Uh, she's kind of hired as like the caretaker. Um, to he needs to ask his parents for money. He needs money from his parents. They're well off or whatever. And I, I would love for you to watch this movie because I would just like to know your opinion on it. It is a beautiful film. I put it in the montage. It's just fucking perfection, but that's just me. So rant concluded again. I know I told you you were off duty from having to be the spokesperson for all of the gay people, but
1: well, I don't know that I'm not familiar with that movie. So I can't really okay say anything on it.
0: Oh, are you talking to... Oh my gosh. You make me want to be a better man. Oh, but Rep, I, I will say about... for what,
1: for what you said that they couldn't show anything because it's PG 13 Sure well, mean. I
0: mean or rather, okay. I may I may have misspoke. It is PG-13 and it did come out in 1997. So I think you're just supposed to kind of figure out how Greg Kinnear and Cuba Gooding Jr. whatever their relationship is. So uh,
1: I was watching this uh, video essay earlier that was talking about uh shipping and the nuances okay. of shipping. You know, what shipping is, right?
0: Ship like you put the cargo on a boat and go from China no. to America. Oh, character I shipping, get locked up in the ports. What character shipping? So it's oh, no. when
1: um, you know people watch a movie or TV. I think usually it's TV more often than not, and they see two characters as possibly being a relationship. Um, so kind of famous ones. I got, I've mentioned this before a number of times. Um, Sirius Black and Remus Lupin in Harry Potter, uh, Kirk and Spock are probably like one of the most famous and like earliest ones that it happened with.
0: Um, so, what does it mean?
1: So, basically, it's just like when people watch this show, they're they're reading two characters that aren't in a relationship as as um, having as they want them to be in a relationship.
0: Um, but so most, get, most like Jim and Pam on The Office. I've
1: not seen The Office. I don't know.
0: Oh, okay. I'm not M- okay. Familiar. Mulder and Scully.
1: Yes, that would definitely be an example. Okay, definitely be an example. However, it's it's done a lot more with um, characters of the same sex because usually they're not ever going to be depicted. Because going back to what I was talking about on a different episode about queer baiting, right. So that's something that happens a lot. So basically um, this this guy, uh, James Summerton, I recommend his channel. He goes deep dive analysis on video essays that are really interesting. And with this one, he was talking about um, how you basically, there's this concept um, that you, it's related to Hello Kitty. So basically you take, you draw a picture of a cat and you basically erase every like all the details, all the shading, and you make just a bare minimum outline of what you need to make it still recognizable as a cat. And that's what Hello Kitty is. Hello Kitty is very famous, and very adorable. And people fucking love Hello Kitty. I don't get it. Why? But that's what it is. But a lot of animated characters I like that you just take a, a basic sketch outline. And you just as minimal as possible. And people just tend to really love those things like teddy bears, for example. Um, and so as it pertains to queer relationships depicted on screen, oftentimes they take everything that happens in a relationship and they give it to two, usually it's two male characters, but they take out all the things that make it obvious. So for instance, I, I was talking about drawings, like the shading and the depth. So in this case, they'll take out the kissing and the hand holding, right. and they'll leave everything else in there.
0: Brokeback Mountain, great example. There, there's not, there is some, but it's very little, and it's a lot of it's left to your own imagination.
1: Yes, Um, it's been too long since I watched that movie, so I'm just going to agree with you. Um, But this, this happens in a lot of, it happens in a lot of anime, it happens in a lot of television shows. Hannibal.
0: Wait, <clears throat> hey, you're watching Hannibal? That movie,
1: right? What?
0: You're watching that show right now, right?
1: Yeah, I am. So that's why it's like screaming out at me, but it is an obvious example. Um, right. So it, these two characters clearly do everything people do in a relationship, but they just reduce the thing that makes it overt that a relationship is happening. Right. Um, and that way they can, that's what a lot of like issues come in in terms of queer baiting, cause they can still, they make more money that way. Right. Um, and they get more of an audience, which is, I think, highly unethical and bullshit. But that's just me. Although I will say Hannibal, to be clear, is not queer baiting. That's not what they're doing. But that is something that happens in a lot of these types of shows. So, in terms of what you were describing, with what was the movie called again? As good as it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's something that that kind of happens. Like they they throw up. Um, in this case, they, they're able in movies, they do this where they can throw in stereotypes and coding and make it a little more clear that these these people are gay or queer or whatever.
0: Oh, yeah. A lot of stereotypes with Cuba Gooding Jr. and Greg Kinnear's characters. In that
1: movie. But they still Again,
0: have play, both played by straight men.
1: Yeah, but they both have those just watered down, just a bare outline sketch of relationships.
0: I I will say, though, in the defense of things, you know, context is important. And, again, just my opinion. But in 1997, the fact that they were, you know, how do I put, like, when Ellen came out, like, that was big, that was, like, really big news, you know? So I think just in the 90s to even have that representation on screen, I think, you know, those were, like, the almost like primitive years of that. You know what I mean? Like they've learned since then how to do it better and not make it, you know, so jarring. So when you're watching it, you're not yelling at the screen going, what the fuck is this? You know, blah, 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 blah. You know, but then to your point, power of the dog, power of the dog, power of the dog. All right. What do you got next?
1: Well, I had a question first. Uh, Which ship were you guilty of? Of shipping, Jimmy. I'm very curious. Um, I just went on a whole big rant. What was your next one? All
0: right. Well, I'll I'll just do my top two, and then we can you can talk, and then we'll close it out. Uh, I mean, it's you know pretty obvious. Oh, just okay. Just what a beautiful. You know, just what a beautiful film. I, I don't, I've talked about Rocky a thousand times on this, on this fucking channel. It's a, it's a great sports movie. It's a great drama movie. It's a great character study. It's well-written, it's well-directed, it's well-acted, and it's a goddamn great love story. That's all I got to say. And my number one, this movie, no bullshit. The first time I watched it, I fell asleep halfway through, but that's also because I was up all night the night before um, I was in fourth grade. And again, for a 10 year old this is quite a bit to handle. And the next day I started from the beginning and, and watched the whole movie because I had a five day rental from the VHS or from the, from the video store. And since then have gone I've gone on to see this movie countless times. I actually just played in the theater for its 80th anniversary. I did not go because I didn't want to go alone. And that is 1942's Casablanca starring Paul Henry. Sydney Greenstreet, Peter Lorre, Claude Rains, Ingrid Bergman, and Humphrey Bogart, who is my second favorite actor of all time. Casablanca is, to me, the greatest love story because it's about he... You saw it in the clip that I played at the top of the show. He loves, he loves Elsa. He, he loves her. And he knows that the only way she's going to make it through World War II... And not get fucking killed, or end up in a concentration camp, or end up with a bullet bullet in her head from a from the underlords in Casablanca, or the other 30 various ways in which she could she could end up eating, eating it during World War II, is to get on that fucking plane and go to America with Paul Henry. That is the only way she's gonna fucking make it, and he's gonna be miserable and he's probably gonna drink himself to death. And he's going to have Sam right there on his side playing the piano while he fucking drinks himself to death. And that's probably what's going to happen. But you know what? He fucking loves that girl. So he tells her, you're going to get on that plane. And if you don't, you'll regret it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but sooner for the rest of your life. And that's all i got to say. Casablanca. Oh, God. Yes. Goodness
1: gracious.
0: Rant concluded.
1: Okay.
0: You haven't watched it yet. We've talked about this all last year. You were going to watch it, and, and you still. So.
1: It's still on my watch list. You know
0: it's that still- part. Is I have three copies of it on DVD because, uh, it's uh just like a goof, like box sets and stuff. I have a Bogart. So, when I see you, and fucking give it to you. Hey, take it. Take two copies.
1: I, I mean, I have. It's it's on one of my streaming service watch lists. It's there. It's saved. I'll get to it eventually. All right. I just don't think I'll like it
0: <laughs> maybe maybe not I don't know all right what do you got? all
1: right so I just kind of want to end with uh, round comes I said it earlier unintentional horror movies they are very skewed and depict an unrealistic world that kind of makes allowances for a creepy weird and inappropriate behavior. And I don't like that. There are, I generally think that when the con in terms of film, when the conflict has to come from the relationship, these are not depicting healthy, sane, non-toxic relationships. So always trust your gut, trust red flags. If you don't feel comfortable, don't go, don't be seeing that person. And, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, we need to talk Hanagram cuz I'm only on season 1 and Brian Fuller Oh my god, Brian Fuller is producing a docu-series for Shutter.
0: Who's, who's Brian Fuller?
1: He's a produ- he's a director. He did quite a few shows. Let me see. Okay. Um so he definitely did um Hannibal. He did Pushing Daisies, American Gods, Dead Like Me. To be clear, m- most of his shows are not as good as Hannibal. Hannibal's just uh-huh. kind of like great. Um, yeah, I,
0: didn't mean to, I didn't mean to.
1: He stop, did some yeah. of Heroes, like the first. I think he did the first two seasons, and then he got oh, the poor, that writer strike really fucked Heroes. Um, he's doing Star Star Trek Discovery. He's done a lot of great shows. Oh, he did Star Trek Voyager too a little bit, but yeah, Hannibal's definitely the best one. And the show was legitimately very good. It's very stylized, visually stunning. The acting, my God, is fantastic. Um, I don't want to get into how much I care about fictional characters. Because <laughs> it, it. I'm not even ashamed, but it is embarrassing. So I don't know how I deal with that dichotomy and, of feelings, but I do. Um, I don't. I don't consider it queer baiting, um, And I do think, I mean, with Brian, Brian, to be clear, Brian Fuller is a gay man. Um, and he did consider this to be a um, Gothic romance. I think it is a very romantic show. Um, I know people want to keep doing the, well, I don't see them being that way. And, you know, he ended up with a woman and all this stuff. I'm like, did you see how he's Sherlock and Moriarty to the ends? No ridiculous. Um, he intended to do what I think he set out um, to do, and I don't. I don't know exactly how to phrase this, but I, 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 it's a difficult concept because Hannibal Lecter is a fucking serial killer. <laughs> so I, I don't think he's necessarily capable of the whole love thing per se. But I, I, there's definitely care. Um, yeah, Brian. Oh, so I was saying Brian Fuller. Yes, he is gay. Um, he is directing for, or producing for Shudder, um, a docuseries queer for fear. And I am so exciting. It's coming out this summer. And I don't think I've been this excited since Into Darkness, which, I, which is they have two parts into dark, in search of darkness. Oh. In search of darkness, they have two parts. It's all together, both parts, a nine hour docuseries. On 80s horror films and have I watched it twice? Ooh, yes, I ooh. fucking have.
0: Where can I watch, yes, it? I watch
1: it? Shutter. Oh. AMC. Um, if if anybody watches that and wants to have a deep dive conversation with me about it, I will rewatch them again and absolutely fucking do it. It's a hundred percent. available Yeah. Okay. Okay. What's it
0: called? What's it called?
1: In search of darkness.
0: Or I can just text you later. But yeah, okay, cool, cool.
1: Yes, it's a, it's a great docu-series. Like, if you like 80s horror, 100% watch this. It has so many phenomenal um, uh, conversations with people in the industry, um, as well as viewers. Uh, they, like, oh, and they, oh, God, I love that they give so much appreciation because 80s horror really had some of the best, the best uh, visual effects. Rick Baker, salute. My God, so good, so talented. Um, and I, I love that you get to have that conversation. Um, you, they talk to, like, um, they don't talk to Craven, obviously, but they do talk to Carpenter. Um, yeah, there's just so much fun stuff. And they also talk about, like, how things changed in terms of um, uh, when, like, video stores came into being and, like, right. The, right. the art for the VHS tapes and stuff like that. Yeah,
0: which I cover on my channel, on this channel right here. So
1: there's also a documentary on uh, movie posters. I think it's 28 by 32. Um, that's available on on uh, YouTube to watch for free. Okay. That was a good documentary too. I like movies. Hi. Uh,
0: yeah, please text me the you, the one that I can watch on YouTube later. I will watch that tonight. I love movie posters, and I've had many conversations with people about them over the years. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. All right. Any closing thoughts before we get out of here on romance films?
1: I mean, I think I've, I've gone on enough rants for this evening,
0: but you know, we can never get enough rants here at the, at the RFN channel. Um, all right, everybody. So this has been our episode for you guys for Valentine's day. We'll be back here in two weeks for our next characters of culture episode. We're going to do a deep dive on something. We were talking behind the scenes. We don't know what it is yet, but we're get inching closer. We're inching closer. Get excited. And I guess uh, now I can let the cat out of the bag. Um, we are starting fantastic film trivia again, March 10th, Thursday, March 10th. Uh, mm-hmm. Co-commish over here. And it will be on Game of Thrones. Uh, Shout out to the awesome Joe Burrows, who wrote 45 questions in an hour because I saw him do it when we were in Zoom one night. He just was like going like this. And an hour later, he goes, I'm done. And I'm like, fuck yeah. So we've got a lot to go over. Um, There's quite a bit of few people playing in this match thus far. And yeah, the, there are going to be managers for this match and they're just as big a personality as the players. So we got a lot to figure out and a lot to talk about, but yeah, March 10th will be the first episode of the season. We've got some, we have a new campaign, uh, story arc that will be going on this year. Lego knows all about it. And I can't wait to finish filming all those with Max, uh, Kukla, who you guys know as Max Williams or Lawrence Goldstein on this channel who has played everybody and is really one of the silent heroes here on the Rob Fishback network. Uh, Hey, Joe must've heard us. Yeah. Game of Thrones match. Game of Thrones. What's that?
1: His ears were burning.
0: His ears were burning. So he was talking you up, but uh, all right, cool. So uh, you got anything coming out on your channel in the next week or so? Uh,
1: I'm I'm really trying to do sharks of the corn.
0: Okay. I'm just having a lot of trouble. Doing okay.
1: You know, I, maybe we could have a conversation about YouTube comments one day.
0: Did some? Was there a fucking asshole? You want me to go beat him up?
1: No, it's just sometimes it can fucking. be
0: demoralizing. You know, I got a fucking crowbar that I'd love to. pop, pop, pop. Leave Lego alone.
1: Okay, I'm not gonna lie sometimes when people when sir joker writes the logophile sometimes i do that too.
0: no i know me too i wasn't gonna say anything <laughs> so you're gonna have to tell him when thinking like it's a show about you
1: uh, please god no but also yeah creepy but logophile <laughs> logophile logophile that's why we should have been lexophile we wouldn't have had these confusions well
0: okay can all right before we go what is a logophile and what's a lexophile i don't
1: Ooh, I actually, not a hundred, they're kind of similar, I think. So a log, logophile, someone who loves words. Lexi.
0: I think you should do a video on every shark movie ever made and become the shark person on YouTube. Oh, there's
1: too many. And oh my God, I'm so mad. Angry video game nerd has a video 50 worst shark movies, but I want to contain mine to like ones that came out this, like this century. He did some older okay. ones. So I'm kind of going to the century, but also I'm not just doing bad ones. No, 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 no. I'm doing I'm doing themed ones. They gotta have a bad name, like Sharks of the Corn, Ouija Shark, Santa Jaws. I will be doing Plus V Whale, uh, Whale Wolf. I can't do it, Whale Wolf, um, because it's just that might be the greatest movie name. Ever. And I'm gonna branch out. I'm gonna do Velocle Pastor. I have I have the gift. I need to do Robocop. I've had a clip of it look, on my computer. So I, I like
0: promised computer. you. I promised you I would wait and wait to watch The Lost Boys with you in StreamYards. Please do me the same and save me one of these movies that we can watch together on the Sharks. I really want to watch one of these. I don't want to watch them alone though, because I'll last 10 minutes and go fuck this shit. I'm gonna go watch Casablanca. But if I watch it with you, I'll sit through the goddamn thing. So there is. I don't.
1: You're gonna have to give me like an idea of like what type of shark movie you want to do because there are all kinds. It's it's. it's Well, I I
0: definitely want to watch. I want to watch *Philosoraptor* together.
1: Oh my god, yes.
0: Okay. Deal. Oh my
1: god, yes. It has the best. I think I used to have the meme uploaded, but now we're in these 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 folders, and I I can't I can't
0: pull it. I I almost regret rebranding all of our folders, but there, there is that shark I don't. Yeah. I don't know. They made a movie. Oh, okay.
1: Damn, Jimmy.
0: <laughs> so did we find out what logophile and legophile is?
1: Oh, um, lexophile is a lover of words and a logophile is also a lover of words. So lexophile v logophile. Let's see. So a logophile uh, one who loves words, a word buff, lexophile, lover of words, especially in word games, puzzles, anagrams, anyone doing wordle, you're a lexophile. They mean the same thing.
0: The, wor- the word from two days ago, uh, hold on. I know this is terrible uh, broadcasting, but I wanted Dude, to post this somewhere. A few
1: weeks ago, they had Shire and that got everybody. But the funny one was when they mm-hmm. had Null, uh no. Yeah. K N O L L. It was so funny. Like so many people were posting that they didn't get it, and someone tweeted, uh, "Today's wordle taught me not enough people have ever heard of a JFK conspiracy theory." Because <laughs> the, the
0: I got humor. I started with the word whore, and well, then- <laughs> well, okay. So every time I start with a different word, and I started with whore, and then I got the H O R. And then, so I'm like, okay, cool. We'll start with an H. So I did horse. I did horse then next. And then it was like, okay. So I kept rearranging the R's and, the, but it started with the H. So I did whore, horse, heart. And then I did house and I did heart obviously doesn't have an O or a U, but I wanted to know if there was an A or an E or a T in it. And then I got to house and then I just started rearranging the letters and then I got humor. So there's that. I started with a live once. I started with uh, uh, magic. I've started with, I always started with a different word. I
1: always started with the same word. And because I think it's likely the one, um, I found two words that I think um, would be best for starters. Um, tears, okay. because T-E-A-R-S are likely in words. Right. The other one, uh, cloud
0: cloud okay so you got so the, you- and the U. Mm-hmm. I like it
1: yeah i, like I started it. i start with whore
0: <laughs> this is
1: not loodle this is not loodle
0: no i tried that one and that one was hard
1: yeah so i don't, I don't like think i know enough bad words
0: i know i know um can we do it as a watch along possibly if lego's down we can just live stream it or something and Oh, I'm I'm totally for it. Totally. Totally for it. And it, listen, and here's the deal. You guys harass Lego about it. It's all up to Lego. Lego texts me a day at a time. I will fucking be there.
1: We should do a watch along for sharks of the corn.
0: All right. Deal. <laughs> now, this is not the best, but it's not that. And I'm gonna let everybody here know that's this is we're not gonna be doing this during prime time hours. We'll be, you know, this is gonna be like a I get a text message at midnight. Hey, I'm going to watch this movie. All right, cool. We'll make the stream. So when we do a watch along, we're not like, this is our show. I like to make good content, blah, blah, blah. We're going to do a watch along. It could be a 2 a.m. thing. could be a 3 in the afternoon thing. But we'll fucking, we'll take care of you guys. So
1: I'm not available at 3 in the afternoon, but you
0: have fun with that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm really not available at 3 o'clock in the afternoon
1: either. But, but, Pastor, yeah. Yes.
0: Yes, it is. I want to watch Rob the Bloss Pastor. All right, everybody. <laughs> Absolutely, Joe. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. All right, buddy. What do you say we get out of here? Uh, you can find me everywhere at Rob Fishback. Uh, you know,
1: I'm, I'm everywhere at Legoland 13.
0: Yeah. If Rob's you know here. That, if you don't know Rob's that by here. now, I'm here. I'm I'm all over the place. Uh all that good stuff. All right, everybody stay safe, be well, take it easy. See you guys. Happy Valentine's day.